Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Nick Pope. Nick, for people out there listening who might not know who you are, please introduce yourself to everybody. Thank you. Well, it's good to be on your show. And uh, my background is that I worked for the UK Ministry of Defense for 21 years. And in the early 90s, I was assigned to a particular division where my duties included researching and investigating the UFO phenomenon to essentially determine whether there was evidence of any threat to the defense of the UK from the phenomenon, whatever its true nature, and whether there was anything of more general defense or scientific interest. Now, I've kind of, I mean, I, I guess the extraterrestrial hypothesis is kind of like my second on like the top three that I have. The third would, would have been government tech, which used to be number one. Um, but uh, since talking to so many people, I've heard so many different from experiences to different ideas or thoughts, even the religious claim at one point as well, too. Um, but weather phenomena seems to be my top. I'm just curious to what you've seen or what you might be interested in or headed towards that has pulled you in the direction that there might be some type of alien thing out there if you think that is what it is or do you think it might be a weather phenomenon i don't know i've heard so many interviews with you now i feel like i'm basically like skipping ahead 50 chapters well i think the answer is is probably pretty much what the office of the director of national intelligence said in the preliminary assessment of the phenomenon that they issued on June 25th last year, where they said that the phenomenon is unlikely to have a single cause. So, so chances are there are multiple things going on. And I don't rule out any of, of the, the different theories about all this. I, I would certainly like it to be extraterrestrial because I think of, of all the different theories, it would be in one sense, pretty much the most interesting, certainly I think the most impactful, hopefully in a, a neutral or good way, but who knows, probably out of our hands. Um, as for these other phenomena, yeah, there's no getting away from the fact that secret prototype aircraft, missiles and drones probably explain a chunk of sightings. Weather phenomena, I'm sure, explain another chunk of sightings. A while ago, the UK Ministry of Defense issued, um, uh, did an intelligence assessment of the, the phenomenon and came to the controversial conclusion that, that exotic atmospheric plasma phenomena might, might explain some of the more intriguing UFO sightings. But yeah, you, you talk to different people, you get different theories. Some people think it's um, interdimensional. Some people talk about time travelers from the future. Some people talk about other civilizations that inhabit the earth, perhaps under the oceans or, or under the surface. And others talk in, in a religious sense in terms of angels and demons. I mean, I'm not particularly wedded to any one of these as here's your answer, but I think those are, are the sort of inevitable go-to areas. Though I sometimes say that with some of the more exotic cases, I do wonder if the answer is something so bizarre and abstract and surreal that it is beyond our comprehension and something that we don't have words for or even concepts for. I think I probably more align with, out of all the people I've talked to, your perspective the most, just being open to all ideas of it. Um, it's just very, very hard because I like to have a paper trail or at least a little bit of a trail of evidence. And it seems like with some of these claims, whether it's extraterrestrials are here or there's future people, um, that one's the most interesting also. But 
there it's just like a large chop to a very very high tree rather than like working your way up to it because we haven't seen anything really littered before at least the general public hasn't um maybe your perspective uh kind of different from the general public in a sense just because you were researching it or looking into it for a little while but when you see bill nelson from nasa over here at least come out and say hey we're going to look for our origins on mars or venus you start to get like wait are we just like behind like the receipts it, it, are they way ahead and now they're just leaking out the information when it seems like this should have been a gradual process over for so long because honestly i think all opinions are valid all perspectives are valid all thoughts are valid but it gets hard because it has been littered. The whole market, UFO Twitter has been littered with so many different ideas and shutting down other people's claims when it should be an open conversation about the topic, which is basically the only perspective I've tried to fight was that we all have a we don't all are at the same basically part of the race, I would say. We all don't have a conclusion on what this is. So all of our opinions are valid, but there's a lot of shutting down. Uh, I've been called a conspiracy person. I think that the government was two steps faster than or two steps more ahead than what uh, I guess they are. But I'm like, we don't know because they don't have maybe I'm a conspiracy guy. So I'm like, there's information we probably don't know that they're involved in that we'll hear 50 years later. But the weather phenomena thing and government tech whatever they all seem like they all could be possibilities that are even all happening at once and maybe that's what we're coming across i think that's true and to pick up on your remarks i mean i think that's that's the sixty-four thousand dollar question is it that the government knows more about this i i think that's a given um in in terms of the fact that of course the government knows where the cutting edge of our own terrestrial technology is uh, certainly our own domestic technology with, within the, the confines of deep compartmentalization of, of information. But generally speaking, you know, we, we know where the upper ceiling of our own tech is so that if you speak to the right people in government, they will say, yeah, we can do Mac you know, and, and whatever the figure is. And, and they can give you some data on those sorts of things. Um, but the, the question is, does it go a step further? Is it that the government is also sitting on the big secret, which they're drip feeding out? Or is it that they're a little late to the game and are only now catching up and saying to themselves, hey, we've been missing a trick here. We need to look into this UAP business. Now, I incline towards the latter. Um, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily sure that if you went to Area 51 and you know, rolled up the hangar door of the most secure facility, there would be this alien spaceship. I mean, I think there, there would be a next generation drone for sure, or a, a spy plane. But um, whether, whether they are the gatekeepers of an extraterrestrial secret or not, I I'm not so sure. I don't rule it out, but neither have I seen any kind of smoking gun that, that suggests that's true. So I think, I think when you've got people like Bill Nelson and Marco Rubio and, and uh, Avi Loeb in the scientific community saying, it's time to take this seriously, we should all sit up and, and pay attention. But, but whether particularly in government, any of these people know for sure what we're dealing with, that might be a bridge too far. How important is it or what advice I guess you could give to people like myself who are trying to find a rational narrative and not people blending into their own? For instance, I've heard claims like people that talk about Avi seems like he just, he made billions of dollars or not billions, millions of dollars off of his book. Now, I've had him on the show and I've talked to him. He doesn't seem like a person that cares that much about that. He cares more about finding the answer to this thing. But Bob Lazar, people debunk him. And he was the reason I first started getting interested in the UFO topic. And you start landing in this spot that it seems like what deters real information from people just trying to exploit the ones that they fit best and they're making money off of. I feel like Skinwalker Ranch, in a sense, has turned into that. The X-Files is the best example of that. Um, it's not saying that they're bad, they're fun and they're entertaining, but it's 
when you're saying it's aliens or if you're saying it's aliens and then you start showing everything about aliens on a alien network or alien show or alien Twitter space, for instance, all the main UFO figures seem to be doing a, a lot of Twitter spaces, which is interesting. Um, but they're getting questions asked to them or they're spinning or going into something where they're only purporting that one thing being the only answer, or they're maybe hyping it up just for attention in a sense as well, too, um, which makes it harder for me to be able to see what's real. I mean, even the future people thing, is there a, a document or a government thing that talks about seeing that? And I'm not saying we deserve the right to know. I don't think the government has to tell us Jack if they don't want to tell us Jack. But when I see Bill Nelson get on screen and start saying, we're going to find our origins. I'm like, what is, is this, is this a pull for funding? Cause it seems like a pull for funding or you got to go with society's narratives, the general consensus from the public. Now that they're interested in it, you're going to have a lot of people jump on board and want to toss out money to you or get enough pull behind you when you say it's what they want well i don't think there's any organization within government and i don't think there's any manager of any particular program that wouldn't say yeah i'd love more resources because i could do a more effective job so whether it's avi Loeb seeking to raise funds for the scientific search literally building new telescopes or whether it's bill nelson knowing that NASA is in competition with other parts of government for funding, saying, well, hey, there's a lot of public interest in this at the moment. Let's, let's leverage that. But I mean, it's not like the mission of NASA hasn't changed, uh, has changed. I mean, the, the, mis the mission of NASA has always included the search for our origins and the search for extraterrestrial life. So I think and, and none of this stuff about money invalidates data. I mean, Stephen Hawking, when he wrote A Brief History of Time as perhaps one of the most successful pop science books ever and, and made millions of it, none of that invalidated any of his equations. I mean, his, his data were his data. His equations either added up or they didn't. So I think, I think it's, sometimes it's easy for critics to say, oh, it's all about money. Um, yeah, sure. You know, there are a lot of TV shows about aliens. Well, there's a lot of TV shows about the Second World War. It doesn't mean that the Second World War didn't happen. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, in one sense, that's a little bit of a, a, a distraction. I try my best to speak with at least people like Avi and himself just to be able to understand their perspective by them explaining it to me and be able to see if I can sense like what seems to be a fib. With Avi, I don't think it's that at all. I definitely think he's interested in the idea of extraterrestrial life and to think that there isn't any extraterrestrial life out there. That's dumb in its own. You have to think that there's something bigger out there. But the issue is if you say that, if you think that, you get a question asked to you. And usually that question is like, well, do you believe in God or are you an atheist? It's like, I'm not religious per se, but if I want to explore and I want to know what else is out there, whether it's an exoplanet, whether it's life on another planet, they just feel like you're not really filling a void, but it's kind of like a gap in a sense. And I guess we're all looking for where we come from. I think that's the biggest question. And for people who aren't religious, which she seems to be most of the public, it is that topic of, is there something that created us? Is there, uh, I used to have that theory, I think a couple hundred episodes ago, was there a was, are we created by like little test tube things dropped on different planets and Earth's the one that survived the most? Is that a possible theory? Sure. But when you're seeing videos constantly littered all over the market, especially now getting more and more, it seems like there's more information or more videos constantly coming out compared to back in the day. I'm like, why all of a sudden? Why when you start realizing that there might be this possibility of alien life, you're starting to see it everywhere where I start wondering, is it our brain morphing things to see things? I think you get too deep down a rabbit hole we uh me and you probably know from conspiracy theory type i guess research you start seeing like plot holes everywhere and then it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse and i feel like that's a lot with like the alien ufo stuff where you're constantly seeing the same person saying they're seeing lights every single night outside of their house i'm like well have you been abducted yet they're like no and i'm like okay so do you live near an airport yes okay that's a fair point, I guess. Maybe they could be airport lights. I mean, jokes aside, I would say, but 
it gets it gets strange and i think everyone's just generally confused so whenever they see something they feel the need to put post it up on a twitter thing or a ufo thing and say this is a ufo it's like well if a real one does happen it's like crying wolf nobody's gonna believe you sure i, I mean i think finding the signal amidst the noise is the big challenge and it's it's always been the challenge whether it's civilian ufo groups like mufon or whether it's government programs like Project Blue Book, like the work that I did at the Ministry of Defense in the UK, like ATIP, uh, or whether it's the scientific search that, that something like Project Galileo is doing, or NASA at the federal level. I mean, I think with all of this, it's, it goes back to, in one sense, it's nothing unique about ufology or the scientific search for extraterrestrial life, um, you could probably look at a lot of subjects and say there are different theories out there, there are different people talking about it with different perspectives. And like anything in life, you've got to learn to evaluate your sources of, of information. Um, so is someone credentialed or not? Do they have a background that, that maybe gives them a, 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 a sort of, you know, kind of better insight into this than say the average person in the street. So for example, if you're talking about scientific questions about is it possible for life to evolve elsewhere in the universe and what might that life look like and how might we detect it? Uh, yeah, you would probably listen to a Harvard astrophysics professor like Avi Loeb um, and, and say, yeah, he, he's worth listening to. Uh, you would probably, on the UAP issue, go to somebody like Christopher Mellon and say, well, hey, here's a former assistant um, deputy director of defense um, who, who has looked at this issue. Again, he's worth listening to. Doesn't mean that nobody else, you know, has a say in this. I mean, I think evaluate the data as, as you find them, but, but those are the sorts of things that maybe help people filter what's being, being said. I mean, who, who are the people saying these things and, and, and do they have a position from, from which, you know, that gives them a degree of authority? But in all of that, let's not be too elitist about it. Let's not forget that even in these days of, for example, forensics and DNA and surveillance cameras. Let's not forget that eyewitness testimony lies at the heart of the criminal justice system, as it should. You know, somebody in a court looking at a jury and saying, this is what happened. The jury have to look that person in the eye and think, is that person credible? Do I believe that account? And, and so that's a factor too when it comes to UFOs. If I had to, I guess, give you two options of which one you probably lean more towards, would you say that it would be some type of government tech or would it be extraterrestrial aliens in a sense? Because I'm not throwing out the extraterrestrial aliens thing because honestly, that seems like a rational, I mean, not really rational, but I would say it seems more like a a chance of that happening, mostly because if we're exploring space, if we're studying other planets, if we're sending stuff out into space to go explore other planets, robotic wise, whichever you want to say, then something has to be a couple steps ahead of us. I mean, it would be very, very stupid, I would say, to think that we're the only ones advanced this far. There has to be something in another galaxy or other solar system or another planet, for instance, that's on the same cusp of intelligence as we are. And I think this kind of was highlighted to me before Bill uh, Nelson said anything, exploring other dimensions. I'm like, what? What? Like, that's a possibility. And they're like, yeah, we're starting to discover that there are other dimensions. I'm like, well, for not even 50, 60 years, you were talking about that's a stupid possibility. It was labeled under pseudoscience. And then you realize now it's accepted as there actually might be a rule of thumb that there actually might be another dimension that you can discover. I mean, am I looking at crazy information or is this just the fact that we make bold claims about science or we make bold claims about anything and the, the dismissal of another opinion in fear of hurting our own hypothesis in a sense which i'm starting to learn from a lot of academics 
Certainly. Well, I, I mean, I, the old cliche, I suppose, that, that yesterday's science fiction is today's science fact. But absolutely, string theory needs the existence of multiple so-called hidden dimensions for the equations to work. And people like Michio Kaku are literally researching this question of these other hidden dimensions at, for example, the Large Hadron Collider in, in Europe, the huge particle accelerator. But I mean, your, your original question um, of, of which do I lean towards, it's not an either or. I mean, we know that some UFOs, as I say, are going to be black project tech, whether it's ours or whether it's adversary drones, for example. It's just a question that, that most people don't know you know, what the level of technology is, even, even in government. You can have a good idea of your own tech, but your intelligence assessments about, for example, how fast and how maneuverable Russian or Chinese drones are, are just that, your intelligence assessments. And as we've seen many times in, in history, for example, with Iraq and WMD, intelligence assessments are not always right. And, and questions are not always as binary as, as we might think. If it, it like hypotheticalized, if it is an alien or some type of extraterrestrial thing, a lot of people say that they would not be interested in looking upon us. And I honestly think that's, that's not, that's not true. And at least in my perspective, only because there's a lot of fascinating things to learn, I think from anything. And I think uh, being like that would understand that question or understand that in their head, at least when it comes to exploring upon us, the issue is, is if it is extraterrestrial life, is it harmful or would it be helpful towards us? And I think if from everything that we've seen, no contact being made, at least from what I've heard, um, it would be a research basis. I'm sure that's right. Yeah. I, I mean, um, let me go back to a point you made about, um, you, you know, I suppose where, where we are, where humanity is in the wider scheme of things. And I often point out that in a universe nearly 14 billion years old, chances are there are going to be civilizations out there with millions, hundreds of millions, maybe a billion years head start on us. And it's, it's the kind of Copernican principle, it's the, the, the statistical theory of averages. If you, if you go into a room of 100 people, chances are you are neither going to be the tallest person, nor the shortest person, nor the smartest person, nor the dumbest person in that room. Um, whatever metric you pick, you are unlikely to be the fastest, the slowest, the, the this, the that. And so humanity is unlikely to be the first civilization to have emerged and therefore the smartest in the cosmos. And we're unlikely to be the most recent. Chances are we'll be somewhere in the middle. So let's then consider going back to your last point, what that means. What that means is that there are more advanced civilizations out there and absolutely, I think it's, it's crazy to say they wouldn't be interested in us. I mean, you've only got to look at anthropology to see you know, that we have been always interested in other civilizations on our own planet and, and with biology, other life forms on our planet, which are not technological civilizations, but which nonetheless may have interesting things to show and perhaps teach us. And, and so to advanced civilizations, sure, humanity isn't going to give them a science lesson. But, but the more abstract things that we produce, music, art, literature, poetry, political systems, our religions, all, all that, I'm sure would be of great interest to even more advanced civilizations. Because I think every planet would produce something new and different, uh, whether it's civilizations and, and as I say, their, their abstract creativity, like, like literature and music, or just the biodiversity. I mean, there may be very many similar life forms to us, hu human, you know, human-like entities, and, and pick any animal at random. There, there may be, you know, rabbits and birds and geckos and, and whatever, but 
But everyone, everyone will be unique nonetheless. And there will be differences as well as, even if we get convergent evolution on a sort of galactic universal scale with the same shapes and forms working and, and therefore being, being sort of selected for in an evolutionary biology sense, but there'll be diversity too. And that diversity will always be, be of interest, I think. Maybe I'm just basic or old fashioned saying this, but when you start to realize like we're at the human species where I guess recognizable or not uh, recognizable in a sense that we recognize our own intelligence. We we're able to have these types of conversations. We're able to have this back and forth dialect about complex systems, whether we're scientists or not. Um, and I think to any species or anything coming to a new planet and recognizing that that's just, that's an observable quality, whether you want to make contact with it or not. In my opinion, I feel like we're just not ready. Um, but also I feel like contact would be a sense of a unification amongst a lot of people, especially with wars going on as well, too. It seems like when everyone comes together is when something bigger than themselves is going around. And I feel like with the amount of internet and the amount of fighting on social media, it just has been all about me, 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 me. But if you realize there's a being from another planet, I honestly hope it's that one. I really hope it's not just a weather phenomena because then that would just amp up the climate crisis with a lot of people. They'd be like, oh, my God, we're seeing mirages everywhere. I'm like, I don't know if that's that, but OK. Um, but then the government thing would just cause people to be upset and cause fighting again, too. And I used to be so pro for that. But honestly, I feel like as me putting aside my personal perspective and putting on like a business and profitable and military perspective. Yeah. We're going to be looking into a lot of deep, dark, crazy stuff and weird ideas only because that's how you get ahead. That's how you stay ahead. And everybody's about being either the number one country, number one producer, number one uh, conqueror, whatever. It's just a business aspect because if you're thinking it, then your enemy's probably thinking it. And sadly, we look at everybody as an enemy in a sense, rather than looking at as a, a community, I would say as a human species, which I feel like that's the only time we should ever leave this planet. Now, I love learning about exoplanets. I love the fact that we might be colonizing in space. I think that's amazing because we have all of our eggs in one basket on Earth. And if an asteroid comes, we're screwed. Maybe. I don't know, depending if planetary defense has gone really far. Um, but I find that we aren't we shouldn't really be able to go out and explore until we come to the basis of that we are one species that is trying to promote our survival because we all care about our own survival um maybe that's crazy well, i don't know it it puts me in mind of the famous ronald reagan quote to the un security council where he said i, I occasionally think how quickly we would set aside our differences if we faced a threat from from beyond this earth and and yeah maybe maybe there is something to that the unifying factor uh, the astronauts have talked about the effect of looking at planet earth uh, from from the international space station or, or particularly from further away from the moon for example and they've talked about the transformative nature of of that experience in giving people um that view of, of, to coin the phrase, spaceship Earth. Um, and and that's, that's definitely something. But, you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, the, the you know, civilization and animals and humanity. And, and, you know, we can, there are, I suppose, various benchmarks by which you can define intelligence. And there may be different benchmarks around the cosmos. But, I mean, at the base end of the scale, for example, you have the mirror test, you know, does, does an animal looking in the mirror, can it figure out that what it's looking at is actually an image of itself or not? And it's, it's a very well known fact that, that certain animals pass the mirror test and, and others don't. Well, what's interesting, I think, when we talk about life out there in the universe and other civilizations is, what other mirror tests might there be that by which civilizations are judged, perhaps? And I hate to lapse into Star Trek language, but in a sense, what gets you an invitation to join the Galactic Federation? What, what, does, a, what, does, a civil, what does an emerging primitive civilization have to do to get the call? 
um, not, not transitory encounters, but open contact and in, an invitation if there is some sort of united federation of planets. Um, is it when a civilization speaks with one voice uh, and puts aside all its, its national and, and religious and political differences? Um, is it a technological trigger? Like, do you have to, in Star Trek universe, for example, it's the development of warp drive uh, that, that, you know, triggers, I guess, the invite? Or is it something else? Or isn't, they, is that just speculation? But it's interesting, even if it's just speculation, even if there is no federation, it takes you to some interesting speculation about humanity and about extraterrestrials. And, and people always say, what do the aliens look like? And what do the aliens want? As if there's going to be one other civilization out there. And as I always say, the chances of there being two civilizations in the cosmos, us plus one, are as infinitesimally small, I'm sure, as the chances of there being just one, i.e. us. I, I suspect that it's a crowded cosmos, but, but whether they have any definitive answers to the great philosophical questions. Where did we come from? Where are we going? What's the meaning of life? Um, what happens when we die? Those, those, whether that's in a religious or a secular sense, whether those answers are out there or not, I don't know. But my goodness, I think it's fun reaching for them, reaching for the stars. And as you say, all our eggs are currently in one basket. And whether it's asteroid strike, uh, whether it's a coronal mass ejection on an unprecedented scale, whether it's some sort of, you know, solar super lethal and transmissible global pandemic, whatever it is, whether it's nuclear war, uh, all our eggs are currently in one basket. And if the human journey isn't to end here where it started, we do need to develop viable interstellar travel. We do need to travel to the stars. Absolutely. I've heard an experiencer story um, from a, a person who doesn't put it in their bio or anything. It just kind of popped up in conversation after having so many with the person. Um, and they described three dots in the sky that kind of seemed like as you moved, it was like looking at my hand as you would see the dimension of it. But then not even like 300 episodes later, like almost a year later from a whole different person who didn't who wasn't anywhere in the same area as that person gave me the same exact experience. And then also not even 200 episodes later, I heard the same exact experience where I started like being like, is this the same thing? But then you see videos of an actual saucer or a disc that's flying through the air. And someone brought a perspective into my head where they go, you would think after the years, they would just evolve their tech. And I would just, I, it makes me think, maybe it's not the evolution of tech, but maybe it's a multiple kind of different races or whichever you want to say species that's coming here at different times in viewing in a sense. I'm not saying we're like a zoo and we're that interesting to watch. I think it's just, you know, you go to the store and then you come back and then next thing you know, whoever you're with went to the store when you came back. It's like you guys didn't see each other go to the store at the same time or you would have went together, but you guys just missed each other where I start going. I mean, that's possible too. Yeah, I think um, the individual perspectives of witnesses, whether it's their particular knowledge um, of aerospace technology or whether it's their cultural or religious backgrounds and beliefs are to some extent going to shape certainly how they interpret their experiences, but maybe even before you get to interpretation, how they perceive them. And, and it's like the old analogy. If you, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you see a shadowy figure at, at the foot of your bed, if you are a ghost hunter, you'll, you'll think it's a ghost. If you're a, a UFO researcher, you'll think it's an alien. If you're religious, you might think it's an angel or a demon. Um, so, so those are all factors that we need to, to bear in mind. The, and, and all these things, whether it's angel, demon, god, devil, alien, these are just words. These are labels that we put on things. And if we're dealing with the other, if we're dealing with something truly unknown, those labels may be wholly inadequate. 
when you like with your work, for instance, either going on, you know, TV and talking about these types of things, even though you're brought on for like certain situations, like mostly talking about aliens, do you ever find that you just you feel like you're not 100% into what a person's talking about? Or do you just try to agree? Or do you just try to kind of talk like, because I feel like you value everyone's perspective. So if someone comes to you, like if I come to come up to you and go, they fake the moon landing. And I mean, Nick, this is kind of me saying, I feel like they fake the moon landing. I'm not a flat earther, but I'm a definitely a moon landing person for sure. Um, but I don't go like, you know, like wearing a t-shirt and getting a bumper sticker. I don't do all that. Um, but I feel like you would hear me out and then you would talk about this situation and you wouldn't really ever put me down about it. Do you ever feel like you're sometimes forced into those positions as well too? Because from a lot of interactions I've had with people in the UFO community, um, there's constantly been either a shutdown or a support if it's in that narrative or that person's thing. That's why I'm kind of testing the boundary with you where I'm like, I feel like you would just tell me like, yeah, okay. Well, it's an interesting question. And I think it goes, you know, if, if, if we were on social media, I, I think when, when you have that separation of distance, I think it's, it's, and this is a big problem in society, it's easier to, to maybe say, that's complete rubbish. Uh, you're a crank, you know, something like mm -hmm. that. If we're face-to-face, -face, I think it's human nature, if you're face-to-face, -face, that, that you would be a little bit more open and friendly. Now you throw in the lens of television, particularly edited TV shows. And I could give an hour's interview and it'd be edited down to a few sound bites. And, and you could get the view that on some shows I'm a, a true believer and, and in other shows I'm a, 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 you know, much more skeptical. I think the truth of the matter is speaking personally, I try to be respectful to other people's views, but if you put me on the spot and you say something and ask, what do I think? And I don't agree. I will tell you flat out, I don't agree. And it's very interesting you pick the moon landings because I certainly don't agree what? they were faked. And I have, no, I have no difficulty saying, no, I absolutely 100% believe that we went to the moon. And I could go around the other conspiracy theories, you know, JFK, Princess Diana, Wuhan, um, Wuhan. the big ones. And I am skeptical of the conspiracy theories. I tend, I tend to believe the official narrative on that. But as ever, it's not, it's not as simple as that because, because of course there are real life conspiracies and some conspiracy theories will turn out to be completely true. I mean, I think for example, one, one of the good, I alluded to it earlier, but a good example is Iraq and weapons of mass destruction because it's not a yes or a no. Um, and and it's, so it's a good illustration of how life is more complex and, and nuanced, because at some stage we know, not least because he used them on his own people, for example, the Kurds, we know that Saddam Hussein did have chemical weapons. And, and that was an absolutely you know, unequivocal fact. Then at one point he said no through, through combination of military action and, and you know, his own decisions. We now have no WMD program. We have no, no nukes, no biological weapons, no chemical weapons. The Western intelligence on that, certainly the British intelligence was described as being sporadic and patchy. There were some indications one way, some indications the other. The bottom line was we simply didn't know. But then politicians taking the raw intelligence did what politicians will tend to do. They, they put their own interpretation on it. Sometimes I think that crossed the line to misinterpretation. I'm not saying they lied about the intelligence, but they misunderstood what intelligence is. And so the British Prime Minister at the time, Tony Blair, wrote a foreword to the dossier written by the Joint Intelligence Committee. And he said, what I believe this intelligence shows beyond doubt is that Saddam Hussein has weapons of mass destruction. Well, that's not quite what the intelligence said. The intelligence, as I say, was sporadic and patchy. Tony Blair probably genuinely thought that Saddam had WMD. I'm not for a moment saying 
he's lying. But that view that he had formed on the basis of the, the raw intelligence may not have been correct. And the simple answer is, we may never know. And that's, I think, the position with, with a lot of the conspiracy theories. It's not as simple as yes, no. Um, look, at, look at COVID, for example. I know we're going into controversial territory here, but why not? I mean, we've been sold lockdowns and masks. I'll say it's my show. If I get if I get the video taken down because yeah. YouTube doesn't like it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, look, we've been sold lockdowns and masks. But if you look at the data, plenty of occasions when people have been locked down and masked up, the cases spiked. And, and in some cases, more than in, in places where, where they weren't. There are now increasing studies showing that the apparent benefits of masking may not be statistically significant. Um, in that's other words, they ended mask alone. mandates. They ended mask mandates yeah. because of that. And and that's before you factor in that there may be negative outcomes too. What happens to child development when when a whole generation of kids hasn't been able to see and read facial expressions? There have been some disturbing studies done on how far childhood learning has been um, set back by uh, remote learning and by masking and by social distancing and the, the lack of social interaction. Uh, there have been plenty of studies to show that even something as basic as, as IQ levels may have dropped significantly because of these, these factors. So it's hugely complicated. It's, it's not that masks are either good or bad. It's not that lockdowns either work or don't work. I mean, there's a huge amount of these factors that go into the mix. And, and we may never know what's, what's right or what's wrong. If you, if you put in a lot of restrictions, I mean, in, in an evolutionary biology sense, for example, if you put in a lot of restrictions, uh, viruses mutate randomly, a, a mutation that gives very high transmissibility is far more likely to be selected for if you have a whole load of mandates in place mm -hmm. um, because it's it's the only way that it can get to do its thing so so it's it's just it's not i mean maybe some of the conspiracies are binary because yeah we either did or didn't go to the moon for example um but a whole lot of the other ones are much more complex. And, and I think that's something to bear in mind when it comes to UFOs. Um, is there or isn't there an alien presence? Does or does not government know about this? I feel like we would be a lot farther if people just admitted that they don't know. But what happens is they base something and they like a lot of words have been destroyed in a sense. Fact checker doesn't really mean what it was supposed to mean anymore. Hell, even racist doesn't even mean the same thing it used to mean. People call no. people racist over nothing now. And I think it gets to a point where. I rather them just be honest and tell me they don't know. Like, for instance, I'll bring up the one conspiracy Wuhan. That whole narrative has been tossed and turned. You were labeled racist if you brought it up. It's labeled under conspiracy theory. But if you type it in on Google, it's going to show you that it's more than likely that it came from there. There's Fox News talking about it. There's CNN talking about it. There's everyone's now looking at that like that's a possibility. But that got hijacked in a sense. And if you I've been setting, saying it on the show and have people call me an idiot. But it's like, I'm not saying that that's the likely one, but I'm saying it, that should be looked into. And the fact that you're not letting people look into it or even have a talk about it. Conversation is the most important thing. You make these ideas controversial, UFOs, whatever. When you, you say you can't talk about it or you say you're an idiot for talking about it, you're supposed to talk. We're all genetic code. We're all supposed to decipher and make this great knowledge walker, informational drive, whatever you want to say. If you want to roll down the window and spit out your gum, sure. Then roll it back up, you know, crank it back up. Oh, that's a bad metaphor. I'm sorry. But we're all on this journey together. We all have to pay attention and share snacks on the way there. Sure. And, and these things have been dishonestly smeared as right-wing dog whistles. Um, and, and I'm getting to the read across to UFOs in a minute because there is one. But, but when you, you mentioned Wuhan, um, yeah, this was, if you even 
used the phrase lab leak, you were in danger of being cancelled or deplatformed. And now, of course, um, uh, some months ago, President Biden instructed Avril Haines as Director of National Intelligence to go and do an assessment. And now people can read on the ODNI website the intelligence assessment of COVID-19. And it's very interesting because across the US intelligence agencies with, with all the different agencies, some of them thought that the, the wet market theory was more likely. Some of them thought that the lab leak um, was, was possible. And again, like Iraq and WMD, there was not a consensus. But what was dishonest, and, and you mentioned racism. Racism, you know, if you said to people a few years ago, you know, I treat everybody equally, irrespective of their color, their race, you, you know, that would be a good thing. That would be a good person. Well, now that kind of thing is treated dishonestly and smeared dishonestly as a right-wing dog whistle. Um, you, you know, so you get that. Then the read across to UFOs is important because it's there. And, and the read across is, is the way in which for decades this subject was smeared and, and spun as, as being kind of fringe, crazy, conspiracy nonsense. People would mention, you know, tinfoil hats. People would use phrases like space aliens. People would use phrases like little green men. And I'm not saying those phrases don't get used, but three years ago, four years ago, pardon me, when the New York Times broke the story about the Pentagon's ATIP program, when those US Navy videos of unidentified aerial phenomena were published and confirmed by the Pentagon as being genuine US Navy videos and put on their own DOD website. When the Senate Intelligence Committee and other parts of Congress, both in the Senate and the House, started taking this seriously. When people like Bill Nelson and Avi Loeb uh, in the scientific community started talking about this, there, there was a shift. And, and so we are in this constant sea of flux with, with things changing. And you know, what is smeared yesterday dishonestly as fringe crazy stuff is kind of accepted now. And, and yet some people cling to the past on all this and say, oh, you know, uh, you know, UFOs are still crazy. When people like the Senate Intelligence Committee say, no, it isn't. And it's in the new National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2022, multiple UFO provisions. Uh, there it is. Things change. The CDC always said, follow the science. Um, previously, they said, put the masks on. Now they're saying mask mandates are not necessary in a lot of the, the United States. And yet some people are still saying, oh, it's too soon. It's too soon. Well, you can't follow the science when they say masks on and say, don't follow the science when they say masks off. It's which, which do you want? So it's this sort of Orwellian double thing that you get, and you get it with UFOs too. And I'm glad to say that the situation is changing, but it just shows that what, what people need to do is go where the data take them, talk to each other, listen to the people that have been studying this from within the system, um, hear other points of view, and don't shut down other points of view just because you think it's crazy or wrong. The biggest, um, I would say, crutch that society has kind of fallen into or biggest hole i would say um is the fact that we can follow the data and i think people need to understand that science is constantly evolving it's an ever working progress sometimes you've you've been running off a thing for 20 years and next thing you know the thing you dismissed in the beginning happens to be the right theory i just wish there was such a quick dismissal or fire off of um ideas or other people's perspectives i mean the the term open science is like what it's more open to the public but what about just an open communication of perspectives and ideas i get it we got to pick a general consensus of an idea to run through but it, it's a lot less incriminating or you don't lose your credibility as much when you go back on everything that you've done See, that's the hard part about managing so many people and i wish there was a better kind of even with ufo twitter 
like we're all they're all in the same goal they're all trying to get the same thing done but i've seen more shit talking on each other than i've seen over anything and that's whether someone wants to go get views by creating a a fake video or something like that or they talk about Lou or whoever. I don't know these people, so I need to talk to them. But when you start realizing that like you're in the same goal as this person, but I see you online fighting this person, does that mean we just have to go meet in person and have communities talk about this type of situations? Or can there be an open communication of ideas? Well, otherwise, otherwise you just end up in an echo chamber. And I mean, I think when, when people say follow the science, whether we're talking about COVID or UFOs, the, there is no the science. There is just science, and science constantly evolves as, as new hypotheses are put forward, new experiments are designed, uh, new data are analyzed, and new conclusions are drawn, and, and we're constantly pushing the boundaries, whatever it is. And, and you know, when people say, for example, oh, you can't get to Earth from Proxima Centauri because it's, it's contrary to the laws of physics, you know, I always point out to people, when you say contrary to the laws of physics, what you mean is contrary to the laws of physics as they are currently understood. But as the history of science shows, you know, and whether it's, whether it's physics or chemistry or biology, we are always finding out new things. We are always pushing the boundaries and, and things change. And, and it goes back, a scientist is never afraid to say I'm wrong because they'll have a hypothesis, they'll do an experiment, they'll have their data, they'll draw a conclusion. But then if, if a more up-to-date data come in, they will say I'm wrong. And this is the read across to UFOs. Those of us who've looked at this from within government, the irony is we are far more likely to say, I don't know, or I was wrong about that, than people in the civilian UFO community who often will will point at you, wagging their finger in, in your face, either literally or metaphorically, and say, no, this is what it is. And, and people who've done it from the inside are like, well, you know, I'm not so sure. Uh, do you have hope for, I guess, the general public to come to con a consensus without an alien invasion or without some type of big global natural disaster to come through? Because I feel like as the more information comes out, it seems like there's going to be a, a, a pull together of a lot of people. But at the same time, we lose like our attention spans are so shot where it's like as soon as something comes out, like even the general all the people that were saying the masks weren't effective and now they're saying it now. And then they're all like, yeah, but then they're moving on to the next task. I'm just hoping because I think me and you both know from conspiracy theories or conspiracies, the big ones, 9-11, all this type of situation. So much time goes by that it just becomes one of those things that we're never going to get answers to now. I don't think we're ever going to get full answers on the JFK. I don't think we're ever going to get full answers on 9-11, even though people say, well, this, the data is set. Yeah, but you have people with doubts and you have a lot of plot holes that you say it's a coincidence. Okay, Operation Vigilant Guardian happening at 9-11 on the same day, a training situation that was going on. You got to think like you were definitely warned about it or you wouldn't have made a simulation that a simulation you have to program about a plane being hijacked and flown into one of your buildings. That means you knew about a warning for how long? I don't know. But saying that's a coincidence doesn't make sense because you had fair warning about it as well, too. Yeah, I just derailed us onto the 9-11 thing, but I'm just saying with enough time, things pass and then there's no congruent evidence and you still have slivers of doubt. And in my or perspective, I would say our understanding of life in general from the life that I've lived so far is that when someone has a doubt, it never truly gets erased away unless it's been proven or shown the real answer to something. Sure. I think, I mean, James Webb Space Telescope is a good example. Let's, let's suppose that we get to June, it's fully operational, and bang, there is an alien megastructure um, orbiting you know, Proxima Centauri, say. Um, that, to me, would be pretty much done deal. But there would always be people who would say, well, NASA faked the, um, the, the image. Um, so... It's, it's an irony of UFOs and the search for alien life that at the moment, there are a lot of people who think there are definitely aliens and the government's covering it up. If we ever do get like first contact or say James Webb finds that 
the government would be the one saying, yeah, we found aliens. And there would be a whole bunch of conspiracy theorists saying, no, I think they're faking it. Maybe, maybe for a sort of space patriot act and a false flag alien invasion. I feel like there's a, I see, I think that's with anything that you, you come out with, someone's always going to have that other perspective. That's like, I don't think it's true at all. Um, I just, I look at it like, I know you're not going to get the general con or the world to agree on one thing. I think you're going to have a, your ins and the outs, I would say, or the yeses and the nos. But I think there's also a way to stop it from becoming violent. And I think it's also with conspiracy theories. And I've kind of learned this out. When you're diving down these rabbit holes, it's very, very hard. If I will tell you right now that the government is still experimenting on humans, you would probably say, I don't think so, right? Well, during the pandemic, nobody talks about there was a uh, that that daycare or whatever that got busted with mentally challenged people where they were injecting them with stuff. Did you hear about that? It was like a it was like how they slipped the UAP thing under. They said that they there's things they can't explain and nobody really cared because everyone was worried about grandma during the pandemic. They had this human experimentation thing happen. I can pull it up if you want me to, but that came out of nowhere and. Nobody cares. Everyone forgot about it, but it was, they got busted. It was 50 people or something like that, that were charged. People would say, no, human experimentation is not going on. But if you look this stuff up, it's like, they, this is still happening. It's like, yeah, that's when people get violent. That's when you get a QAnon situation. I think it's good to have those outside perspectives that are thinking way outside the box, but it's the part about becoming violent. And that's what I don't like about yeah. it. I think it needs this to be a rational conclusion on these things. This is where it's important to listen to dissenting voices, whether it's with UFOs in the skeptic versus believer dogfight and, and the different theories even amongst the believers um, and, and whatever it is in life. But if you cancel, if you deplatform, all you're doing is, is driving people into more polarized positions, making them angry that they are being shut down. I mean, the... the the best thing to do in almost any situation, whether it's, it's Russia and Ukraine or, or whatever it is, is sit down and talk to each other. And um, I would say, because I want to talk about what you're working on as well, too, um, with the time that we have, but with whatever you're working on right now headed in towards besides doing the interviews and more personal shows as well too because i think it's amazing that you keep yourself um open to the public i would say or at least for talks about this type of stuff too because that's very important especially from a person from your position and also your thoughts are important as well um what are you working on is there any books coming up or is there anything else you're uh, excited that you're like a new project Sure. Well, I, I don't think it's any secret, not least because they announced it, that I am uh, a, one of the many research affiliates in Avi Loeb's Galileo project. So I, I'm hopefully helping uh, there. I'm not a scientist, but there are a number of people who, who've got background and experience that can help. So I'm, I'm very proud to be involved with that. I'm continuing to do a lot of TV shows. Uh, whether it's more episodes of the fun shows like Ancient Aliens, some other things which haven't been announced yet. But what I'm really looking forward to most is getting back out there as, as, as the world reopens and as in-person conferences are back. What I'm most looking forward to is just getting back out there and meeting people, mingling, socializing, exchanging ideas. It's this face-to-face -face contact that we've lost in the last two years that we are now finally, thank goodness, getting back. So it's, it's the conferences and the conventions and, and the, the symposia that, that I think are, are really going to be important this year, because, because I don't think you realize how some important something is until it's taken away. And, and when you get it back, there's a huge hurrah. And I know that there's a, I, I've got several conferences coming up and I think that's really my, key strategic aim for, for 2022. But uh, I mean, I see my role now not so much as a researcher or an investigator, but as a, as a communicator on this issue. And if I, can, if I can help this ongoing conversation through my media work, and I, I'm lucky to have a platform, but uh, if I can keep the conversation going, take it to new and interesting places, then I'll have done my job. And I only got, I think, two little questions left. 
One, do you ever get exhausted a little bit with all of the talk about aliens? Like, do you ever, I just picture you with like sunglasses on a beach, sipping out of a coconut, just trying to take a relaxing day or something like that. Sure. Yeah. I, I get uh, UFO'd out and uh, I love nothing more than a nice film noir in the evening and a, a good brandy or something, something like that. Absolutely. Everyone needs downtime. People can get too narrowly focused. You probably feel better when you step away for a little bit just to be able to rethink about some stuff and then come back to it. Yes, completely. And then um, the, the last question would be the Galileo Project, the research that goes on in there. Is it like a meeting of the minds or like a Star Trek kind of convention table thing? I just picture all of you guys sitting around in like stone chairs in a circle with like shrouded cloaks on. Just be like, guys, aliens, what are we talking about? Well, uh, there are so many incredibly bright, much brighter than me people in that group. And, and what I think makes it so interesting is, is how multidisciplinary it is. There are astrophysicists, but there are also uh, people who, who come from other perspectives, whether it's philosophy, whether it's law, uh, whatever it is. So it's, it's a, a great bunch of people. And, and as ever with these things, the strength is in the diversity of their expertise and their views. Vive la différence. Um, Nick, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, is there a place uh, where people can find you any links? I'm going to link it in the description, but if you want to say them off to anybody out there listening. Nickpope.net and at NickPopeMOD on Twitter. All right. Well, thanks for doing the podcast and thanks everybody for listening to this episode. Out of the blank.